period. Get on my black, brown, and indigenous. Gotta holla if you really feeling this. Gotta holla if you really real enough. Other rappers is delirious. Yeah, it's really that serious. Better holla if you really feeling me. I gotta keep it a hundred. If you don't like it, then fuck it. Ay. We gonna win in the end. Yeah, we gonna live in abundance. I gotta keep it a hundred. If you don't like it, then fuck it. Ay. We gonna win in the end. Yeah, we gonna, we gonna, we gonna. I gotta keep it a hundred. We gotta stop all the stunting. You know we coming from nothing. Yo, you talking about money, you bluffing. We gotta do something different. We gotta change how we living. We gotta do better for women. We gotta do better for children. We gotta listen to victims, whether Jewish or Muslim or Christian. It doesn't matter your religion. You gotta stand against the system, or else you're just another villain. How you just sitting there chilling? Yep, 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 yep. Peace, everyone. Here we are back again. Shouts out to everybody on the Spotify, Airwaves, and wherever you get your podcast. Because at this point, I, I lost count of wherever I'm at. And people are telling me, oh, you're over here, you're over here. You know, you don't see it. No, I don't see it. What I do see, real quick, before I bring on this amazing guest, what I do see is TikTok. And Jesus Christ, the comment session, Jesus, man, like, I had a report for you guys. Like, y'all gotta chill. <laughs> I just wish that I could explain it. Like, listen, the podcast is music, politics, and culture. Don't get all crazy when you hear the political parts. It's my opinion. You have yours. You don't need to get mad. <laughs> but anyway, we're going to go back on the spectrum of the culture part maybe maybe a little bit of a pc whatever but this guest right here um he has a podcast called epics podcast um i was on his uh podcast a little while ago when i first started podcasting um and he is pretty dope pretty dope guy um he has a business all the way up on this and this should be a very good podcast for people because I have some questions, especially on the business side, because that's where I'm trying to be so for my my podcast, for music and branding and all that stuff. You know, I may be a very uh, grassroots uh, labor worker organizer, but I understand that we live in a capitalist system of people and we have to adjust and deal with that. That doesn't mean I'm a hypocrite. My girlfriend called me that. This man, I'm a hypocrite, man. <laughs> so, without further ado, this man is great. Um, so, let's bring him on. Alex Ray Wait. How's it going, Alex? Jamar, it is going so good. Thank you so much for having me on today. Yeah, man. Um, we had a lot of back and forth throughout the time. <laughs> we finally found a slot that works perfect for us, which is so amazing. <laughs> Absolutely. I've got two kids, a wife, now a dog, and ADHD. So getting on my schedule can be real difficult sometimes. Oh yeah. Yeah. Tell me, um, share, share your struggle. Let's let's go right into it. Let's talk mm -hmm. about what is it like being an adult that has kids, a wife, you know, ADHD, you know, inspire the people. <laughs> yeah. Uh I wish I could tell you, I don't really keep a good grasp on it most of the time. So, uh, <laughs> no, it's, it's, uh, it's a lot of work, man. Um, I, uh, I was also diagnosed with ADHD as an adult too. So it was something, something that I, I feel like I'm still constantly learning. And so it's, it's become kind of this, the, the lens that I look through to analyze my whole life is through this lens of my ADHD and how to, cause it just touches every single thing that I'm involved with because it's, you know, how I think, right? And so it informs how I parent, how I am in my relationship with my wife, how I, you know, work and choose what to do. And it's been a big part of inspiring me to pursue uh, my own business and entrepreneurship and, you know, podcasting really as well. So um, there's a, so many, there's so many things that it's easy to, to talk about kind of the negative sides of things and um, the struggles that come with it. But there's so much that it brings to my life as well. 
And, you know, it's just one of those periods of time where, uh, between all of that, having a couple different jobs and a couple kids, uh, I'll sleep later. You know, it's, there's time for all that. Uh, there's a lot of good things going on and, um, it's just something that I'm really, I'm really proud to be able to, to show this part of my life to my kids and show them that this is an option because there was something that when I had kids and this, you know, probably isn't one of the best ways to think of it all the time. Uh, cause it puts a lot of pressure on, but I was always wondering like, what, what are my kids going to think of me? What are they going to remember about this period of their lives? And I, my oldest, son, I have two sons, uh, almost, almost six and almost four, which is crazy to me. But, uh, my oldest son now is obviously in that period of time where he's, he's going to start remembering things and probably the younger son too is pretty soon for the rest of his life. And it was always a point to me. It was like, okay, what are they going to remember about me? Are they going to remember that I had two jobs that we, you know, had a hard time paying rent and stuff like that. Now that we tell them that all the time, you know, but what, what are they going to remember? Are they going to remember that I do a podcast, that I work from home, that I had a second job working in a restaurant? What is it they're going to remember? And ultimately, uh, I, I, I think I'm to the point now where I can finally say, like, I'm proud that this is going to be some of the stuff they remember. And uh, it's really inspiring towards some of the stuff I'm working towards. And uh, um, yeah, it just gives me some hope and uh, it makes me excited to see what they're going to do, you know? Right, right. What was your, what is your first job? So I work, um, so I so I have my own business. I, I have my podcast that I started a while back when we first connected and I fell in love with podcasting. So I started a business around uh, podcast production. Um, I came out of a career in nonprofit and that was just kind of my call. And I've realized through the years that that has a lot to do with my ADHD, right? Because I have to feel connected to the work that I'm doing. And that's why I always end up doing nonprofit work because I had to feel like my, my, my career, my job had purpose. And, and I really ended up getting burnt out in nonprofit work. And I know that's not an uncommon story at all because oh, yeah. From non-profit experience here, brother, I got you. <laughs> and uh, yeah, because it's one of those things where they expect the most and, uh, you know, kind of pay the least in a lot of situations. And right. when I started having a family, I realized that the only way to advance my career in that field is to kind of join some sort of some sort of you go into some sort of management, right? You know, where you're dealing with employees and donors rather than whoever it is that we're serving. And I've worked in. I worked in primarily like homeless shelters, after school programs, stuff like that. Um, men, you know, mental health facilities for for high school kids, middle school kids, nice. in different different areas like that. And so that was my kind of background. And I just couldn't get to the point where I could give a shit about donors over the people we were serving. And I ended up bouncing around a lot. Obviously, part of this was my undiagnosed ADHD, probably. But uh, I I got burnt out because I. I felt like we always, the longer I was in every spot, the more I realized we view these people as numbers instead of people. And that drove me nuts. And I couldn't, mm. I couldn't stand it. And I didn't want to advance my career in a field like this and be taken away from the front lines of nonprofit work. And, but got to this point where I was like, I need more. Like I, there was a part of my identity that was so wrapped up in being, being this quote unquote selfless person sacrificing a potential income that I could have working at, you know, an investment bank or whatever it is, you know, kind of nine right. finance job. And there was a point of pride for me that was like, yeah, I don't make a whole lot of money, but I'm making a difference in the world. And right. it became really difficult when I had a family. It was like, oh, but I'm also going to be poor for the rest of my life. Like that kind of sucks. Yeah. And it was a big shift for me when I was like, you know, I, I think I need to, to take a look at what I'm doing and how it's going to provide my family because I had this identity wrapped up in being this selfless servant sort of person. And to then switch to the idea of being for profit really hurt because I was like, mm. all right, well, now I'm a terrible person, you know, which is wow. obviously not true. Right. Yeah. But there was so much of that wrapped up in it. And then, and, and so like, it was, it was a really hard shift for me. And, it was, you know, ultimately, uh, I think I ended up kind of on the right path and we'll see where it ends up. But um, again, with part of the ADHD side of it, I had to end up working for myself because 
the the way I described kind of my burnout in nonprofit was I had to I had to learn to be passionate about someone else's vision. And mm -hmm. I wasn't good at that because I saw flaws in it. You know, the, it ended up with people being members and stuff like that. And so that's what led me to kind of entrepreneurship and the podcast and being in control of what I can be passionate about. And I'm excited about it, to be honest. Yeah. Alex, while you were talking, there's just um, so many similarities that I felt when you were just explaining your journey of just being being to the nonprofit realm and thinking that what you're doing is for a purpose and you see it as a purpose and you're, you're doing the best you can, but the entities that created this situation that you have to, you know, deal with, they don't see it the way you see it. And it's hard to even, you know, deal with that factor when you're dealing with a family, which is the part I can't relate to yet. I'm in a relationship for a long time and maybe that will be our, 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 our future, but. Are we back? Oh, yeah, there you are. That was a lag. Timestamp. Noted. Okay. <laughs> but just basically just the transition on just the nonprofit realm into a for-profit realm and then figure it, and then understanding like, oh, my God, have I become what I feared? Um, you, you know, when I shared my story and activism and stuff like that, you know, get into a relationship and the families that look at me and they're like, wow, like you, you make so many sacrifices for these people out on the streets advocating for them. And like, what else do you do? You work at, uh, uh, uh you work at a hospital, but you're not making the big bucks at the hospital. <laughs> like, what else do you want to do? What else do you want to push for? And I'm grateful that I have a partner that is, um, to the point where we can split our bills and stuff like that. And she never pressures me to make me feel like I am not someone that she wants to be with because of my, my lack of money, but all, but mostly because of the love. Mm -hmm. And that's how, you know, you got something there. So genuine and strong for anyone out there that hears this, that, you know, deal with this type of situation on the opposite scale. But I wanted to go back with the transition part um if you can recall what was it like dealing with um feeling like you betrayed your mission in, in some source sort sort of way is that's is that the best way to, to to put that question yeah absolutely and so yeah i mean there was so the the main point of transition was i was working at an after school program and I had been hired during COVID and my role. So I interviewed for this job. I ultimately didn't get it. And then the person they did hire uh, ended up leaving like a month or so later. So I ah. uh, came in and was their second choice, whatever. It's fine. I needed a job. I'd been unemployed for like five, six months, right. uh, which was horrible for me because I absolutely loved being unemployed and I was making just as much <laughs> during the COVID stuff. And, uh, um yeah and i got to spend time with my family and also awesome. that so it was great but it was so it was a really hard transition for me but ultimately got hired to do this job where i was meant to be it was an after school program uh and they they kind of pitched it as like all right you're gonna be here for uh to teach life skills and you know support these high school students through everything they're going through which is like a lot during covid like we part of it was we were open during school and some of the kids did their online classes at our at our place and stuff like that and then we would do programming for them afterwards around all sorts of different things and i uh was gonna we were gonna teach them different skills like i they during the interview process they 
I let them know I had a podcast and they were like, oh, it would be so cool to have a podcast. And that was one of my ideas it was like, we'll start a podcast and the kids can run in and all this stuff and I'll just teach them how to do it mm-hmm. stuff like that. And it just never quite played out exactly the way I pictured it based mm-hmm. on the description. And really what it became down to was I became a summer planner for these kids trying to plan all the camps and programs they could get into over the summer so they wouldn't get in trouble because they were out, you know, doing whatever with their friends right. um, for a couple months at a time, unsupervised, God forbid. And, yeah. and that's just not, it's not what I give a shit about, you know? It, and we just, we just clashed on this because they were like, you just need to, do, you need to do the research for these kids, find out what they're interested in, find the programs for them, ask them which one they want to do, and then help them book it and all the stuff. And I'm like, how are they going to learn shit if I'm doing well? <laughs> You know what I mean? Mm. Mm. And yeah. I, I, I discovered, it was one of the reasons I liked working with high school kids because I discovered I have, I have an ability to kind of connect with these kids that a lot of people in these, in these positions can't. And I realized really early, it's nothing special that I do. It's the, the reason I can, I'm able to form these relationships with some of these kids, especially the kids that like act up in school or they're seen as like these troubled kids or whatever. I always am able to seek these kids out and, I, you know, I don't fix them, so to speak. Um, I don't know if I lost you there. I think you froze up. Uh, you hear me? Yeah, I got you back now. Okay. All right. Time stamped again. All right. So I switched Wi Fi. So hopefully, this going to happen again. <laughs> yeah, you're good. Like I said, I don't have, we can go over if we need to. Uh, I'm, I don't have any time restraints on me right now. Um, but yeah, there's nothing special that I do with these kids. What I realized it is, is if you treat these kids like adults and don't make them earn your respect or don't, don't expect them to earn your respect. Mm-hmm. They, they they appreciate that it's yeah. just one of my things is like people deserve respect whether they've earned it or not and you right. have the opportunity to lose it with me for sure <laughs> but you don't have to earn it you don't start at zero and then earn it from there and that's just one of the things and then treat these kids like adults don't baby them don't pretend like you don't swear you know like don't create bring this fake persona in uh you'll be real with them understand what they're going through don't try to fix it tell them it's, it sucks you know and yeah. and that's the that's what i came in to do and that's what i was good at that's why i got hired and you know having adhd i'm like I, i'm not a good summer planner i'm not a good planner for myself <laughs> and especially having this difference of like this this opposition to just the philosophy of like we should be doing this for these kids and like i see the value in that like these kids really benefit from, from doing these cool things but we need to go about this different like they don't just sign up for our program and then have their summer plan for them and then we find a way to pay for it you know like i i that's that's the that was the best part like we're giving these kids opportunities they wouldn't have otherwise but like they need to be involved like i don't want kids to be screwed without us you know what i mean and so right that was the moment where I, I wasn't good at that and I wasn't committed to it. And so I became a shit employee because I, I disagreed with them on that kind of philo- philosophical level. And I ultimately ended up getting fired because mm-hmm. I wasn't, I wasn't uh, meeting kind of those, those benchmarks that they wanted me to in terms of like getting so many X amount of kids into X amount of programs or whatever it was. And, and I, cause I told them, you know, like I just, this doesn't, this isn't the way I work. This isn't what I'm good at. This is not, I, this is not my opinion of how we should be spending our time and they didn't care. And that was fine. And so I ended up getting fired. And I, right before I got fired, I, I was like, you know what? I think I need to quit. Like, I'm not happy here. I'm bad at this part of the job. I need to. And that's when I made the decision to, to kind of switch paths and try to try to do something more for profit. And at the time I had just started my podcast and the idea was that the podcast would be my purpose, uh, kind of social justice outlet. 
and then I could, and then I was going to try to compartmentalize a job and, into a job, to pr- providing for my family. That's what it is. And started looking for different sorts of business jobs. Wasn't getting a lot of feedback. Having a career in nonprofit, they I knew I had the skills for a lot of these positions that people just didn't see. It's just a different world. And yeah. ultimately, got to the point where I had I had a referral for this specific job that I could have done so well and I would have not enjoyed it but I would have made decent money at it and it would have it would have worked and because I had a, a a good referral I got in when I might not have otherwise and went through three rounds of interviews and got to the final interview where the the owner of the company does says you know the same interview questions as the first two interviews <laughs> <laughs> get through all of this. And the first thing he says, is, and I'm a very, I'm a very upfront, honest, authentic person. I say all sorts of shit that I probably shouldn't um, just because <laughs> I, I, want, I want to be real. And I want you to know like where I'm coming from and who I am so that I don't have to fake it later, basically. Right. And, you know, told him my, why I was switching careers, uh, told him about kind of my podcast, my dream for that. And ultimately he, he ended up saying, he goes, you can totally do this job, but I'm not going to hire you because you're going to be miserable here. You should go back and work in nonprofit. That's what you're made for. And I just, I was so stunned by that because <laughs> I just finished telling him, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm burned out and I'm not happy doing that. And he said, you know, if you're really passionate about your podcast, you should make that your full-time business and do that with everything that you can. And that really pissed me off because that's what I ended up doing. And I was so mad. <laughs> I was so mad. Because I didn't want to prove this guy right. You know what I mean? Right. And, it, that's, and that's where the business side of this came out of was like, I enjoy podcasting. I, I believe in it as a medium. I don't have to explain this to you necessarily. But like in this, in this culture of media that we have now, everything gets shorter and shorter. TikToks, reels are all 30 yeah. seconds. Grab your attention. Podcast is the only thing that's still growing in popularity, but is long format and allows you to have a chance to engage and connect with your listeners. And I was like, with my background in nonprofit, nonprofits aren't using this enough. So what if I find a way to produce podcasts for nonprofits or other cause oriented brands, stuff like that. And so that's what my business came out of. And I honestly, one of the biggest things I wrestled with was, do I prove this guy right? Who I'm never going to talk to again. Like he'll never he'll probably never know that I'm starting a business and definitely won't know that it's based on his suggestion, which it wasn't. I came to this on my own, but I almost didn't do it because I didn't want to prove this dude, right. Who turned right. down wrong about me, uh, in my, my, in my stubborn mind at least. And so, <laughs> and that, so that's, that was a big part of it for me. And I was in therapy at the time. And I, I remember talking to my therapist and he asked me a question. I remember this so vividly. He said, I, I was telling him about how like I'm so unhappy at every job I'm at and I, I, I feel like there's something wrong with me because I, I just don't want to work. It's not because I'm lazy. There's things I want to do. They just don't pay me money and I, I'm willing to work hard at them, but you know, they, they're not, they don't make money and I don't, I need to, nothing that I've done for financial compensation has ever been something that I, uh, that I've enjoyed doing. And he said, well, when's the last, what's the last job that you enjoyed? When's the last time you were happy at work? And I, it was, it was a uh, years previous. It was the, it was the first thing that popped in my mind immediately was my wife and I owned a business. She was a massage therapist and we started a massage center and I, I ended up managing the front, front of house. I know, I knew nothing about massage. I still know very little after all of that. <laughs> and, you know, so it wasn't my like area of passion or expertise even. And it wasn't like, I owned the business, so I was working 10 hours a week. No, I was working like 40 to 60 hours a week. I was working really hard. was losing a lot of money, actually, because we were in a bad franchise deal. The business right. was doing well, but we were getting kind of and, mm-hmm. But I was happy during that period of time because I was doing something with my wife, and it was ours. And I reflected on that, especially, again, going through this lens of my ADHD. And that's what made me make the decision of like, okay, I can make – through what I've learned through starting that business, I can, I can go through starting another business where there's no overhead. That's not, I don't have employees. I don't have rent. I don't have franchisors that I have to pay off. 
um, and I can make it purposeful for me and I can find my purpose in that and I can be in control of that purpose. You know what I mean? It's, it'll be my vision from the beginning to the end. And that's how I made the shift for me. It had to be entrepreneurship because, uh, because I, I couldn't live out anyone's vision, any, someone else's vision anymore. And one of the things that really scared me about that was I, I, I fell in love with this idea and I really, really got excited about it. And I ultimately almost didn't pull the trigger because I was terrified of it not working, which is always an option. Right? There's always a possibility. Yeah. The reason I was so scared of it not working was because there's so much riding on this. Like I got, I have two boys at home. I have a wife who's been supporting me for years and the stakes are high. And I don't, I don't feel comfortable going all in and, and potentially failing and then not knowing what to do next. Like I was afraid right. of losing dream because I didn't want to have to come up with another one. And I didn't know if there would be another one, which is, sounds very dramatic, but that's how it felt. No, and, but it's so real. <laughs> it's yeah. real. And, and, you know, and you think about it, like when you, you think of entrepreneurship in this country, I feel like a lot of times it's like, okay, like entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs are the people who go up on Shark Tank, you know, and sell, sell their business. And the, you go up there and these are the people that are like, I, I quit my day job the second I thought of this idea and invested, I sold my house and invested the, you know, all of it into this business. And I work. 80 hours a week through the night because I believe in this. And while I might feel that passionate about it, I can't do that. I've, I've got kids at home. I, my brain can't work 80 hours a week. Just, I'm just the ADHD brain. I can't, I'll, I'll get so burnt out. I'll get, and I'll, and I'll drop it and I'll end up hating it. And I was like, I can't do that to this dream that I believe in. And so what I ended up doing was I took a, I took a job at a restaurant because you know, during a summer month at a busy restaurant, I make more money there in four shifts a yeah. week than I than I did in nonprofit. And I don't yeah. always. And, and can we that. give a shout out to service workers, uh, food service yeah. workers, because man, they had a nice busy spot. They make bank, and yeah. I'm tired of people always trying to say, "Oh, well, what are you going to do next?" Maybe you just want to raise their kids there and hope that it stays busy. And that's their decision, yeah. people. <laughs> there are people that do that. <laughs> and they, some of them make really good money doing it. And yeah. for me, it was like, I need something. Cause I served years ago, like many of us did when I was in college and stuff. And I was like, it's easy. I mean, it's hard work, but it, for, for, for me, at least it's, it's something that I can do. It's I'm, mm -hmm. I can be personal with people. I can tell the same jokes 45 times a day, stuff yeah. like that. And, uh, and make a quick buck here and there. Yeah. And the most important thing for me was it's something that I could scale out because and I went to, I actually didn't, went to a few interviews for different restaurants and they didn't take me because I told them straight up. They're like, well, why are you coming to work here? It's like, oh, because I'm starting a business and eventually I want to quit here. Because <laughs> to be honest, like, I, this isn't is. I was like, this isn't going to be my job, but I need to, I need to, uh, you know, feed my kids. And so can you help me do that? And that's how I ended up at the place I was at because I told them that and they were like, okay, I get that. <laughs> You know, amazing. Shout out to that place. Uh, yeah, for sure. And I tell, I told my boss, I told my boss a couple months ago. He was asking me how everything was going. I was like, I hate this job, but <laughs> I love working here, which is mm. true. I hate being a server. There's days where I just I can't go in and do it again, and it's just it feels so soul crushing. But I'm not quitting until my business is ready for me to quit because. Mm. It allows me the freedom to not put that pressure on my business. It doesn't mean that I don't believe in my business. It doesn't believe that I'm not passionate about it or that I'm not working hard on that. But I need that safety net because the stakes are too high for me. And I truly do. I, I hate being a server. But I love that job because I get to be with people who get me, who let me be who I am. And I can make a quick buck here and there. I can pick up a shift if I need to. I can drop a shift if I, you know, uh, if I have to do more work over here or if I need to go to my kids kids uh performance or whatever it is and it's it's there there's a lot of misunderstanding i think about kind of the service industry right of it's these people who just want to party or don't have any direction in life and yes there's some of those people but there are those people in every profession and <laughs> and for me it's exactly what i needed i i needed a job to support my family and my career while i'm building this business and it's it's a big part of it's 
I will always remember it as a part of allowing me to, to pursue this at my pace and give it the attention it needs without the pressure that will that could crush it. Mm. No, that's amazing. Um, and you know, a lot of times, you know, when, when I was in uh, Scott, you brought me back to when I was in college, um, college dropout, by the way, um, if people didn't know, but, um, it took me 10 years. So I, I felt like I dropped <laughs> a few times. Yeah. I mean, I'm in and out. I can't say I'm fully out, but I am in and out. So I might actually get a degree down the line. But anyway, like my remember my freshman year, um, I had a theater teacher that told me, because this is when I was doing acting, um, he told me, Jamar, if you really want to be an actor, you need to have the mindset that this is all you want to do. Mm. All you want to do. Nothing else. Nothing comes first. Only acting. And I took that in a way as, okay, so I need to just only act. That pissed my parents off. <laughs> it's like, no, he needs to get a job. <laughs> How is he going to make a make a living with all this? Maybe buy paychecks. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, long story short, I ended up working and listening to my parents. Um, and... You know, and I ended up being in and out of school and switching majors and all that stuff like that. But I've seen people that, you know, were in it. And a lot of people had jobs and still did it. And then there was people that were able to do it full time and look at them. I got mm -hmm. friends that are on Netflix. I got friends that are on uh, different different channels um, like Bartek, PT, Ariel, shouts out to y'all. Um, they're doing it. But those are few success stories that were able to do it because they had everything working for them. The reality is that you need, because you're in the system, you're going to be on your own. You have to find a job and you have to be able to be able to be just as strong as those people that are completely able to do it 100%. And I feel like there's, like, there's a way that you can get out of this hump mm -hmm. and almost be just as great as they are but it's the focus which i love because that's something that i feel like i couldn't do because i'm too busy letting the job take it away but now i'm like thinking about that now you know as you talk about the podcasting um and building your business while working a job that's like exactly what i'm like damn that's kind of like what I'm trying to do now, mm -hmm. but I'm always thinking like, what do I need to cut off? What do I need to cut off? And it's yeah. like, it's, that's the realization that I need to understand. What is it do I need to cut off? <laughs> like I'm listening to you and I'm just like thinking of myself, like this guy is making a lot of sense. <laughs> and it, it's not, it, this is one of the things I want people to understand is, you know, just kind of like you're saying, there's different paths to get to where you want to go. Right. I mean, for me, if I had decided to, you know, just quit my job and go all into my business, there's a chance that would have worked. Mm. And I would have been thrilled if that happened. But the chance of it not working is also real. And the consequences of that are, were something I weren't willing to put my family through. Right. And so for me, it was like, okay, is there a chance that this will work if I'm splitting time? I think so but it takes the pressure off of it for me. And that was, that was important because it's like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna sacrifice, you know, a, a, a survival of my kids, you know, to be dramatic about it for the sake of my dream. You know, it's not, that's not fair, but it, it's, it's something that we, I think we do a really poor job of in this culture is like trying to find the one size fits all for everything. That's never going to work. I remember back when, uh, my wife was pregnant with our first kid. I was like freaking out. I was obviously very excited, but freaking out because I know nothing about babies. I know nothing about pregnancy and all this stuff. <laughs> I bought pregnancy books, right? I read through the first chapter of probably five of them and then never read them again because I quickly realized that, and this is true about a lot of the parenting books I've read, you know, all, all sorts of things. I realized that there's, there's no way you can 
you can project what's going to happen in any given pregnancy, any given kid. Yeah. And there, there's nothing you can do to, to put a message out there that will work for everyone. And not saying you shouldn't put your message out there. You shouldn't try to help people. Like, but like we as consumers, we need to realize and we need that we need to do the work to figure out, is this going to work for me? Does this fit for me? A lot of times it can. A lot of times it doesn't. And so that's, that's what I think I, I really want to break for my kids. I hated that I went to college for a long time because I took 10 years to graduate because I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I went right out of high school because that's what you're supposed to do. And that's what they tell you, right? <laughs> and I have a degree now that I don't use. My degree's in Spanish and business. I guess I use some of my business stuff now. Mm-hmm. But, and I, you know, I talk shit with the cooks in the back of the restaurant, you know, <laughs> in Spanish, but yeah, you know, at that job. But otherwise, I, I don't need that degree to do what I'm doing. My right. business, I, could, I didn't need to go to school for. And that was something that, and especially, and it caused me a lot of pain having ADHD that I got diagnosed when I was in college because I went through depression around how hard school was for me. And that's what led to my diagnosis ultimately. And that's something that I'm really passionate about now is you don't have to go to college. Should you go to college? Maybe, but figure out why. Don't just blindly do what everyone tells you to do, especially with how expensive college is going to be by the time my kids get there. I mean, right. my my wife, you could consider a college dropout. She started school. Um, she wanted to be a teacher, realized that it wasn't it wasn't a good fit for her. She went to a trade school, learned to be mm. a massage therapist. She just graduated from another trade school. She's now a culinary chef. Wow, you know what I mean? And, and she she didn't need to go to a four-year degree for that. I'm not knocking people who go to school, but because there's a place for that. My, my eldest son, I expect, will be going to university out of high school because he's very engineer-minded. And so far, it seems like that's the path he's going to go down. But I'm going to make a point to tell my children, you don't have to. You can and you should if you want to go certain directions. But don't do it mindlessly. Don't just spend a whole bunch of money on the experience without direction. Because there's things you can do. I could have graduated the same time if I had with a degree that would be relevant to me if I had waited five years to go into school and just got a job first or an apprenticeship first or whatever it was. Because I had no idea what I wanted to do. That's kind of barbaric, though, when you think about it. Like, we literally tell 18-year-olds, or 19, mm. if you was kept back, all right, guys, whatever. We literally tell these teenagers, okay, while you're about to graduate, you need to choose what the hell you want to do. <laughs> and then you want to go in there, and if you don't get no scholarships, or you don't have, or if you're not a trust fund baby, fuck mm-hmm. you, trust fund babies. But anyway, if you're not a trust fund baby, you gotta go in there, sign this piece of paper where you're gonna literally just get all this debt, and it's good because you're you know what you're gonna do in life. You're 18 years old. You don't even know how to pay bills and budget properly and sign a lease and clean the house and cook and clean. But they want you to choose a career path right there and now. <laughs> we don't we don't trust 18 year olds to be able to drink. We barely trust them to be able to drive. We don't trust them to to do to rent a car, let alone figure out your life. How does that add up? You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Some and some people maybe can figure it out. Great. Great for those kids. But let's yeah. not make that the expectation. You know what I mean? Right. I took a year off. I did. My parents didn't give me shit for that, but they did remind me that you better go back. <laughs> and, you know, it's, it is a lot of pressure because I feel like um, this is a part of the American psyche mm. that it's, you need to do what is expected and to never question it. And if you do, you're a goddamn communist. (laughs) (laughs) And that's what we need. We need to question more stuff, man. I mean, we need to, especially this generation that's coming up, I obviously have a connection to it, raising two kids. And I think about it a lot because Mm -hmm. I'm raising two white boys. And Mm -hmm. so I think a lot about what is their role going to be in our society, what is that? What should that look like? What will it look like? What do they need to know that I didn't know growing up mm. to to leave this place better than it should be? 
and to mm-hmm. excel better than I did. You know, that's that's all we want for our kids is to have a better life than we did. Right. And and I think about that a lot. And especially now that I'm kind of on this entrepreneurship journey, my wife is very entrepreneurial minded. I credit her for kind of sparking that in me. Um, I had never thought of, of, you know, doing anything on my own before, before meeting her and is came naturally to her when we started her, we, when we started her massage center, she was 22 years old. Mm. And, you know, that's just who she was. And, and that taught me a lot, you know, and it's, it's just something that people were shocked when we told them like, Oh yeah, we're going to start a business. And they were shocked when I quit my job to, to be a part <laughs> of that business. And, and people are shocked when I tell them that I'm starting my own business again. And it's about podcasting. I'm like, well, aren't podcasts free? How's that going to work? It's like, you want me to explain it to you? Like, <laughs> and, and you know, and there's a subtle judgment around it. It's very similar. I would expect to saying, I'm going to go be an actor for money or an artist or a musician. These creative entrepreneurial paths are not the norm because we're brought up in the society where you go work at, you know, in a, in a cubicle nine to five, and that will help you be able to afford a mortgage, which is a whole nother topic, obviously. But, uh, and, and then that's what, that's what you do. And you go home and you be a dad. Well, for me, like a lot of this came from like my wife and I, we, we're really, we're really passionate about living out our values. And that a lot of that was, uh, I benefit through, for having a great therapist that we've had for, uh, over five years. And, that we see together and really makes us figure out what our values are. And a big value of ours is family. I don't want to work a nine to five job because I want to be there and available for my kids. That's to me, the draw of entrepreneurship is I can control my schedule and it's not because I'm lazy again, which is something I hear and experience a lot as someone with ADHD, but I want to be able to prioritize in a way that I don't have to sacrifice being with my family. I want to be, I want to, I want to be the dad who go, who does drop off and pickups and I am, and I'm oftentimes one of the only dads there. And I want to be the dad who doesn't miss any games and I, or performances or recitals, whatever it ends up being. And that's one of the things I love about my, my business that as I grow, I'm, it's going to take more time and more energy and more effort, but I can be in control of it, particularly for something about producing a podcast. I can do that after the kids go to bed. I can do that or when they're or when they're at school or on my time and and that's one of the things that has really made me fall in love with entrepreneurship is because I get to I get to be in charge of my priorities yeah yeah freedom that's mm-hmm. real freedom right there and it's in I, I totally respect it why why the name um epics pot podcast so i came up i had the idea for my podcast years ago and it came out of i really was always feeling this kind of draw to do social justice work and i didn't know how to do that as a straight white dude without taking up space for someone else and for me i sorry i'll give a little bit more backstory than you might have asked for but uh I I actually uh, originally was going to be a pastor Mm -hmm. and, and for me, a big part of that calling, which I hate that word calling, but that's another rant. uh, (laughs) That was to do social justice work and using the church and the the influence of the church to make social progress, particularly around uh, a lot of these key issues. And especially within the church, um, you know, a big part of it was elevating women in that on that platform. And I got to the point where I I looked at my wife, I was like, I can never be a lead pastor. Because the whole point of me going into ministry work is bec- is to create churches and spaces like this, that are led by people who don't look like me. So I don't know how that's going to work. And also, you know, had a really hard time over the the past couple elections that we had seeing myself being able to be successful doing that kind of work with that church association 
not saying you can't do social justice work in the church. I didn't feel comfortable with it, with what we went through as a country over those over those past two elections. Mm -hmm. And ultimately ended up having a crisis of faith that, you know, we'll see where it ends up. It's still probably ongoing, but, uh, <laughs> but that's, but that's ultimately what started the idea for the podcast, because it was something that I could, that I could do to scratch this social justice itch without feeling like I'm taking up someone else's space. And the whole premise of it was I'm going to have people on to tell their stories and, mm. and, what, I, what I'll say on the podcast all the time is that, that I believe the foundation of hate and discrimination in our world comes from a lack of understanding of people who are different from ourselves. And when we hear someone's story, it humanizes them in a way that really starts to erode that foundation of hate and discrimination because we get them more and we can, we can better understand them. And I, you know, hearing your story, I can't fully understand what it's like to be a black man in this country. But I understand it better having talked to you. And I, I think there's a, there's a realization that came to years ago that like, I, I would always be like, I'm not gonna compare myself. I'm not gonna try to say I get you because I'll never understand, which to an extent should be true. And it can be dangerous if we say we can get you, but like yeah. there are ways we can connect and there are ways that we can empathize. And there's a, without telling another story and derailing the whole answer I'm trying to give. Uh, I, I met, I talked to a black woman who I was working with at a homeless shelter about how, what should I do to combat racism? Because I'm never going to understand it. And she says, of course you can. You've been discriminated against. It's the same feeling. It's not the same thing. Like you won't be discriminated against in that way, but the base feeling is the same. So use that to empathize. And that's where the podcast came out with, is just telling people stories, getting people, using it as a platform to get other people's stories and voices out there, elevate these stories that aren't told all the time so that we can understand better what people have to go through and, ch and ultimately change our perspective on how we enter certain situations in, in life. And ended up calling it epics because I wanted it to be, uh, I, I wanted it to be about stories, right? And so honestly, what I was doing was I was, I was on a Zoom call with my sister who um, had a podcast uh, years back and we, we went through uh, the, uh, a thesaurus for words for stories and it was like oh an epic like i was like and that somehow just stuck with me oh nice and i was like i i just i couldn't drop it and i was like so epic these are people's epics um and you know just having the work and being able to just say these are epic people with epic stories just for some reason just just clicked for me and uh yeah that's that's the the overly detailed version of my the backstory of epics yeah that's that's really that's really cool um it's not, it's kind of sort of like a um an individual town hall sort of say um yeah but it's more detailed instead of it just being like um we're going to keep it to a certain point and we're not going to ask this or ask that it's a you're able to get where you need to get in order to get a full understanding of what your guess is about. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of like, that's kind of part of the reason why I um, joined podcasting um, as well too. And I think that a lot, that's what I love about podcasting is that like you can get so many different types of flavors and ideas and stuff like that. And honestly, um, I think it's a great way to understand why there should be some kind of like commonality when it comes to cancel culture mm. and see like exactly, you know, the situations of, of others, you know, like instead of it being now, now people that are listening, I'm not talking about like somebody that caused physical harm and, and doesn't want to ever take accountability. I'm talking about, people that have made mistakes and that are judged for a certain tweet or a certain um, photograph, um, maybe a culture appropriation situation. I, I feel that we, we're ready to just, just discount a lot of people um, so quickly and remember them for that one part. And I feel like it's dehumanizing and I think that having people having the space, like, 
on on a podcast like Epics or any other platform, you know, when we talk about even racism, like how you said, you can understand that person even though you're not part of their ethnicity by talking to them. Podcast gives you that doorway to get a full understanding of who this person is. And then after and that, I just want to comment on that real quick. I yeah. part of sorry to interrupt you. Yeah. Part part of why what cancel culture has become is detrimental to us is because I think it's I think it's well intentioned but really poorly branded. You know, yes. it's it's, it's, it's about holding people accountable, right? And that's a good thing. Let's not forget it's a good exactly. thing to hold people accountable to do better. The problem with it is it leaves no room. It le first of all it leaves no room for authenticity, and it, and it creates this politically correct atmosphere that we all feel like we have to pursue, which which kills you know personality and authentic communication and relationship, in my opinion. But it also doesn't allow any room for for a learning process. And what I mean by that is. You, you're not allowed to make mistakes. And I'm not out here saying I'm going to to uh, just throw caution to the wind and be like, oh, well, um, yeah, I can do better next time. But like, we need to be authentic and we need to show more versions of people who mess up and then learn from that. We, right. we, don't, we don't get that picture in our society because of what cancel culture has become, because yeah. it's, you mess up bad and you're out. There's no opportunity to say, okay, well, he messed up. How can he do better? And it's not just like some PR release. It's like, it's one of the things I say on my podcast is like, for example, I had someone on and this interview hasn't aired yet, but I had a, a transgender person on and they identified as they, them. And I didn't realize how bad I was at using those pronouns. And I called them he several times, which I thought was crazy because I was like, how am I going to, how am I even going to reference uh, his pronouns in a one-on-one -on -one conversation when I'm talking to him? And it happened several times. And one of the things that I, I try to do with my podcast is obviously I'm not going to try to say the wrong things or ask inappropriate questions. But if I do or if I mess up, my intention is to not take that out because we need to be able to see that people can own mistakes, ask uncomfortable questions, and learn from that and do better. Right. You know, and, and we don't have the opportunity to see that in our culture because – it, it's there's no room for it. We we don't have an appetite to see people learn from their mistakes because we don't trust that that you know we believe we don't think it's anything more than a PR stunt or whatever it is, and yeah. I think that I think we need to find the balance of holding people accountable and having good intentions and everything, and allowing people to learn and ask hard questions so that other people can learn from that and see those answers. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The hard questions. People shouldn't be afraid of 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 humbling and trying to learn, because you know there's a time that you didn't know what you knew. You know, um, like you know when you look at all these big figures that people love. We loved when they're dead and gone. We're over here uplifting them, but if they lived in this era, and mm. social media was out, would they still be able to be as popular as you want them to be? Because, you know, like, I mean, look at my heroes. Malcolm X, he was in prison for doing a lot of fucked up shit <laughs> before he became who he was. <laughs> but, like, if cancer culture existed, we'd be like, oh, Malcolm X is this, Malcolm X is that. We should never put him on a platform. How how dare you platform these people? And mm -hmm. I'm in this, this, that's what I have experienced with certain people I have had on my podcast, like, I get a text message later on. Why would you platform this guy? Um, why not? Why not talk to these people? Why not? And, and that's a whole other side of it, too, is like we can only align with and support people that we completely agree with. Just because Malcolm X, for example, did something fucked up that you know ended up with him getting arrested doesn't mm -hmm. cancel out the positive stuff that he did. Right. You know what I mean? And we, there's this... There, and I'm not saying that to like uh, defend people who who mess up and do things that they shouldn't necessarily or whatever. Like, we, again, we should still be holding people accountable. But mm -hmm. just because I don't perfectly align with someone politically or whatever doesn't mean I can't support them in some sort of way. There are certain there are certain places or people, organizations that I don't support because they I feel like they've gone too far. There are others that I'm like, 
I, you're really wrong on that. <laughs> but I'm still going to watch your movie or whatever. You know what right. I mean? Or whatever it is. And right. I, I think it's too all or nothing. And it, it, there's we need more gray area. Yeah. I mean, like, you are never going to be fully aligned with anyone. We're all going to have disagreements, you know? Like, I learned that so well, just being an organizer and being out in the streets with so many other organizers. There has been a lot of disagreements. But can we come to a common ground and work on the issues that we do agree with? Because if not, then that means it's about what you want. And what you want is not what the world fully wants. So how can we convince the world to be more moral? If you can't understand that sometimes you do have to compromise just to get a full goal and not compromise in the way we're like, oh, he became a boot, a boot, a bootlicker or something like that. You have to humble your ideas and your rhetoric just so to keep the peace, because if you go around canceling everybody, someone's going to cancel you. You're going to feel what it's like one day. <laughs> it's subjective, right? You know, the yeah. idea of canceling someone is just like, you don't, I don't agree with you. Therefore, I won't support you. That's, that's so ridiculous. If you think of it as the other way around, it's like, okay, I, I have very strong beliefs around obviously very controversial topics. And what, what I want. So for example, I have people, I, I've had a few people who are transgender or, or, or gay on my podcast and, would I want someone who doesn't share my values about homosexuality to listen to my podcast? Heck yeah. Do I need them to agree with what I'm saying? No. no. And if we if we only enter into disagreements with people we agree with, we're not disagreeing. We don't know how to disagree with people because it's it's all about how can I get them to believe what I believe and not how how can I understand what you believe and why? Because if I come into a conversation, I, if I were to explain that I'm going to to talk to you who have in this hypothetical scenario very different political beliefs than me if i want to understand what those beliefs are and why that's not that's not something that we understand the concept for because we don't understand why i would do that if not for uh other to you know convince them otherwise or tell them that they're wrong but but we're, we need to find that common ground because there's stuff that we can agree on and there's stuff that we can't but we need to be able to to disagree in a way that that maintains, you know, these these points of relation that we can interact and exist together, even if we disagree. Yeah. And there's, and this is something that I've learned over time is I I have an ability to to uh, to empathize with someone that I disagree with better than normal people. And I'm not saying that as as a brag or anything like that. It's mm -hmm. I don't. It's uh, it's just a happy accident that I've realized about myself. I get why people. Uh, have different beliefs on certain topics that I disagree with. It doesn't mean any less. It, it, I don't know how I don't know how political you want me to get with this, but, but the example I, I use all the time is abortion. I have I'm, I have an opinion on abortion, mm -hmm. and without even explaining which side of it I'm on, I get why the other side feels the way they do. Mm -hmm. I don't. That doesn't mean any. That doesn't take away any of the conviction that I have that my belief is right. right. But me having an understanding of why they think that way helps me not be angry and hate those people. Yeah. Privately in my own home, I say things about them that I wouldn't say on a podcast. <laughs> but, you know what I mean? Because I still think I'm right. And I think, I think everyone else should think by the way I do, but I get mm -hmm. why some people don't. And it allows you to come to the table with those people. Right. like i get where you're coming from and and if we if we all can start doing that better because i'm not the only person who can do this obviously we all have an ability to do this it right. just in some cases takes a willingness and an intentionality to do it if we, so, if we it's a big plan that then, we, then we'll be able to find that common ground because we'll be willing right. to just come to the table instead of saying well like i'm clearly not going to talk to you because you voted this way yeah 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 I blame the media so much for this. They have <laughs> found a way to get us to not be honest with each other so strongly and to always think that there's others to fear instead of fearing ourselves and what we are doing. 
to ourselves and allowing what is happening. Um, I blame them so hard. I've rant about the media all the damn time because it's just it's 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 clear as day with their hypocrisies, but it's hard to see it when you don't notice it. And then you bring it home, you bring it home, and then you bring it in your brain, in your mind, and it's easy to just discontinue people instead of trying to actually talk to someone. Like, say you have a conversation with somebody that's like, if you can't reach them, at least you try. But this don't be like, oh, well, they think the color's green, so I'm just not going to talk to them ever again. You shouldn't talk to them ever again. If you do talk to them, then you're a problem, too. You're complicit, and we're going to blast you all on motherfucking social media. <laughs> Email your job. It's like it has gotten to the point where disagreeing is almost becoming a death sentence. <laughs> and it's like, no, I wasn't raised that way. If I didn't fuck with you, I did. I avoided you. I didn't talk to you. I didn't go around and be like, hey, don't talk to so-and-so because they believe this, this, and that. Like, uh, it's too much, man. It's, it's And it's hindering. It's hindering so Well, much. and specifically to the media, like, we don't, as a culture, understand what they are. They're a business. And yeah. they have figured out that we don't want to be, we don't, we don't care about how honest they are. They figured yeah. that out. They're trying to make money. That's what they care yeah. about. They, it's not a public service. No. It's a business. They're trying to make money. And they figured out they can make money by telling you what you want to hear, yep. regardless of how honest it is. And I'm yep. not pointing fingers at anyone. That's what, that's what they all do. They all are trying to make money. The best that's example, um, shit, I have to go because my girlfriend is like hitting me up. But I want to give an example of what, what the best example. Um, Trump was on the town hall meeting in CNN. Right. After he did that, everybody freaked out because the people that freaked out, I guess they assumed that CNN is the left. But if you look at who is a part of CNN, a lot of them comes from Fox News, um, you know, or they go to M M NBC. CNN is tell is being in between. The lady that interviewed Donald Trump was formal was a former Fox News host in the morning. So it's like you, you're you yelling at CNN for doing what they've been doing this whole time, Ocasio-Cortez. You're yelling at them, assuming that they're the voice of like liberalism in the left, but they have been in cahoots with the right the whole time. They have hired them on their payroll. They let them bring out their perspectives. They are right wing just as much as you think they are left wing they are doing both sides and they're playing people so good but we don't know that because they don't be like okay we're going to hire this personnel who comes from fox news like, no they just put them on and since you're watching cnn you just automatically assume well they're on here so they are in line with me no they're not <laughs> no they're not and then you're freaking out yelling at the screen because you didn't look in the backdrop details that, oh, she was on Fox News, or oh, he was a CIA official before he came here. Or <laughs> like, and to take it even deeper, we all care. It matters to us for some reason if, right. they, if we agree with them. Like, mm -hmm. I, I, it's it I saw matters. you know during the elections and stuff there was there was a series of posts that I saw about like we should make elections like the mass singer right we don't tell we don't say their gender we don't say their age we don't say their race we don't say their political party we just let them say what they want say what their points are and we vote and then at the end it's like bye you were elected a Republican or a Democrat or a neither you know and yeah. it should be about the person and what they believe not about the party that they've tied themselves to right. Right. I agree with that. I do agree with that. But that's that's just exact that showed me exactly where we're at. It's like a cult mentality and it's not genuine. And we gotta stop that cult shit because it doesn't work. Look at Jim look at Jim Jones. What did he do? Put everybody I'm look, I'm being dramatic, but this is exactly where America's going, man. We the Kool-Aid, bro, like stay away from the Kool-Aid. It's it's gonna kill you. <laughs> you go to 
screamed out loud, thinking that, oh, I thought it was this way. It was that way. They always backpedal 24-7. And then you're over here like, well, I agree with this. And, oh, no, I don't agree with that. And more information came out. Wait until everything come out for you to make a decision. Like, there's innocent people at stake, too. Not everything you hear is the truth. And mm-hmm. a lot of you hear is the truth. So I'm just like, make your own distinctions. Just don't be dramatic on your own d- distinctions. Like, <laughs> so, just grow up. Like, <laughs> there's a lot of things I can be bad about, but I don't. I try to you know, use my platform exactly. to just express it. Like, but I know damn well that what they are, and you got to know that they're rich. They don't care about your opinion. They're making they money while you're out here canceling people. Like, that's what they care about. Oh, you're still going to pay that subscription every single month anyway. So, <laughs> like Netflix. You know, like they just sat there. People were like, all right. <laughs> oh, oh my. See, I'm a queer person, so I can say something. Like, people literally <laughs> gave all that shit about fucking Dave Chappelle, yet they still be talking about, oh, I'm about to boycott Netflix. But then I see you next week talking about a show you love on Netflix. Mm-hmm. I see you next week talking about somebody to show you like on Netflix or some actor you saw on Netflix. Oh, but I thought you was going to boycott Netflix because of what Dave Chappelle said. Shut up. You emotional. You don't really care. You just want to be with the hype, bro. Like <laughs> persona, you know what I mean? It's it's right. a, it's a front. It's all it's all disingenuous and, and not authentic anymore. It's not. It's not. Well, Alex, I gotta go because I'm getting hit up and everything. Um so epic podcast your Instagram. That's where they can find you. And where else? Yeah, so you can find me. Um my my Instagram is a great uh, a great place to start. Epics uh, Epics Pod is my is our tag. So Epics with an S D O D. Um, you can go to my website epicspodcast.com. Awesome. and uh, definitely uh, feel free to reach out. Um, let me know what you think. If you are someone who thinks your story should be told, and you know we would all benefit from from learning what you've been through, hit me up. We'll have you on. Where that's awesome. Well. I want to thank you so much for coming on and I'll definitely will have the link in the description so everyone can definitely see it and check it out. Um, and I hope you enjoy the rest of your day. And for everyone that's, that's listening, I hope you also have a really good day and treat, let's just treat each other better. I guess that's the moral of the story, right? <laughs> and I'll, I'll talk to you later, Alex. You have a really good day. Jamar, thank you so much for having me on and for everything that you're doing in this space as well. I really appreciate you. I uh, I look forward to connecting again soon. Thank you. I appreciate you too, brother. Thank you. Blank period, yeah. I'm a black, brown, and indigenous. Gotta holla if you really feeling this. Gotta holla if you really real enough. Other rappers is delirious. Yeah, it's really that serious. Better holla if you really feeling me. I gotta keep it a hundred. Ay. If you don't like it, then fuck it. Ay. We gonna win in the end. Yeah, we gonna live in abundance. I gotta keep it a hundred. If you don't like it, then fuck it. Ay. We gonna win in the end. Yeah, we gonna, we gonna, we gonna. I gotta keep it a hundred. We gotta stop all the stunting. You know we coming from nothing. Yo, you talking about money, you bluffing. We gotta do something different. We gotta change how we live in. We gotta do better for women. We gotta do better for children. We gotta listen to victims, whether Jewish or Muslim or Christian. It doesn't matter your religion. You gotta stand against the system, or else you're just another villain.